This is CNN Breaking News. Today on Inside Politics, a major breakthrough on hostage negotiations. Israel's war cabinet is meeting right now on a deal with Hamas to free about 50 of the 237 people being held captive. It's been 45 days since hostages, mostly innocent civilians, were taken by Hamas on the Jewish Sabbath. Taken during an attack on Israel when terrorists raped women and murdered families. More than a thousand people that day. For each spared that fate and instead taken hostage, the unknown and the wait is excruciating for their families. Now, we are told an announcement of a deal that will allow some of those hostages to come home could be imminent. President Biden addressed that moments ago. We're now very close, very close. Uh, we could bring uh, some of these hostages home very soon. But I don't want to get into the, into the details of things because nothing is done until it's done. And uh, we have more to say. We will. But things are looking good. CNN is covering the story from all angles. Oren Lieberman is in Tel Aviv. MJ Lee is here in Washington at the White House. MJ, I want to start with you. Uh, that was a pretty remarkable moment from the president of the United States to lean that far into where he thinks that this negotiation is right now. Yeah, that's right. You heard the president saying that we are very close to a deal, and that very much echoes what sources have been telling CNN all morning, uh, that the U.S., Israel, and Hamas are on the cusp of announcing this deal, and it could come as early as today. Uh, I was in the room when the president made those remarks, and I did try to ask him at the end uh, how many Americans he believes may be among the 50 hostages initially released. And he said, I'll have plenty of time to talk about the hostages, but not now, basically uh, declining to go into any of the details. Uh, and I'll let Oren speak to the details of sort of the contours of this potential deal. But at least for the Biden administration, this, of course, Dana, has been an urgent priority, trying to get these hostages out because they have said all along that they believe there are at least a handful of American citizens in the mix uh, in Gaza being held by Hamas. And now what U.S. officials are saying is that they are hopeful that three-year-old American citizen Abigail Adan uh, will be among the 50 hostages that are in Initially released. Uh, she is the youngest known American hostage. Her parents were killed by Hamas. Uh, so this is a very tenuous situation. But hopefully, we are uh, U.S. officials are saying uh, this three-year-old American toddler will be in the mix uh, of the 50 hostages. Uh, we've, of course, Anna, seen uh, U.S. officials working around the clock to try to secure this deal over the last few weeks. The president, of course, has been on the phone with Prime Minister Netanyahu, the Mir of Qatar, president of Egypt, and other top U.S. officials have been traveling in the region as well. But, Dana, it's important to underscore, uh, if this deal were to come to fruition, this is not only significant because of the release of hostages, but because this would mark the first sustained pause in fighting and the first uh, major de-escalatory step that Israel will be taking really since the war first began. MJ, thank you so much for that reporting. And let's get more specific about uh, what sources are telling us this deal may include. The release of 50 women and children and in exchange, there would be a four or five day pause in fighting, as MJ just alluded to. Now, three Palestinian prisoners would be swapped for each civilian Israeli hostage or, or other hostage being released by Hamas. Israel would stop flying surveillance drones over Gaza for at least six hours each day. 
Oren, I'm going to go to you now about what is happening in Israel as we speak. The government is meeting. What are you hearing about how that meeting is going and whether or not they will approve this deal? So this is all part of a legal and political process that is required to approve such a deal and that is required for a critical part of this, and that is to approve the release of Palestinian prisoners, women and children. So the first part of that is the war cabinet is meeting, and that's a very small group of people, including Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. That will lead straight into a meeting of the security cabinet. Again, that's a slightly larger group. And then the full cabinet itself, that is the government. And it needs to be approved at each one of those stages for this deal to go through. Now, that's critical because two partners in Netanyahu's governing coalition, two far-right partners, I should say, have already put out statements saying they will oppose this deal. And that could, of course, scuttle it. And if they wanted to go to the extreme, they could theoretically topple Netanyahu's government. But having spoken to one of the families of the hostages a short time ago, they say they re received an assurance from one of the other critical members of Netanyahu's government that if this deal is put forward, it will get approved. And that gives them a critical bit of confidence that having gotten to this point where we see the process in Israel begin to approve a hostage deal in an exchange and an agreement with Hamas that would see them free Israeli and other hostages potentially, that it will get over the line. And that's what they're looking to now. And that's important because these families have heard the word imminent before and, and have heard reports and rumors that something is about to happen but if you speak with them they believe there's something far more tangible here something far more palpable palpable and real even if they haven't gotten an official word from the government at this point now these three votes and meetings that are expected tonight are not the end of the process there is then a 24-hour window in which there can be appeals that the supreme court filed against this that too will take its time as that runs its course but from the indications we're seeing here the government Netanyahu feeling confident as this moves forward through the evening. And we will certainly keep you posted, Dana, as it moves into the subsequent meetings. Okay, so that's the process, which is important. The politics there, obviously, are critically important. And now let's talk about the people, the people who are being held. Do we know anything about the condition of these hostages? All of them, but even specifically the women and children on that list of, of 50 who are hopefully going to be released. The answer is we simply don't. We know so little about the nearly 240 hostages held in Gaza, and that has been an incredible source of frustration. In fact, the little information we do know has only come out from the Israeli military when it says it has found the bodies uh, of two Israeli hostages killed in Gaza and brought them out. There were several hostages released very early on, but that was weeks ago, if not more than a month ago. In terms of who is coming out, the 50 women and children, we know at this point almost nothing except that little bit. Uh, on, the, at the, on the flip side of that, we also don't know anything about the 150 Palestinian women and children who are set to be released as part of this exchange. So in terms of the details of, of how this plays out, really the, the nitty gritty of this, we are still waiting for that. And of course, the families of the hostages still waiting to find out if their loved ones are on that list. Oren, thank you so much for that reporting. And this potential breakthrough in these hostage negotiations comes a day after the families of hostages met in Israel with the war cabinet there, emotional calls to bring the hostages home. That's what happened in those meetings. Now, we heard similar emotion from one of the family members of a young girl that MJ was talking about, Abigail Adan. She's three years old. She's being held in Gaza. This is her great aunt speaking to CNN this morning. These people have been in the dark for 45 days. 
Abigail is a beautiful child who wants to run around and play soccer with her older brother and sister. And, and she hasn't been able to run around in 45 days. I don't know where she is. We don't know. She should be home with her family and with her sister and brother. And she isn't right now. I'm not a politician. I'm not a diplomat. I will believe it when I see them walk out, be driven out, and they are free. Let's talk more about the impact of the potential deal. I want to bring in our panel, Avi Mayer, the editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, Susan Glasser of The New Yorker and CNN's Alex Marquardt. Avi, I want to start with you. In Israel, uh, we just heard a lot of understandable emotion from Abigail Adon's aunt. I am sure you are hearing uh, something similar from so many people who are in Israel waiting to hear from the government about the fate of their loved ones. What is your latest reporting? Um, let's just start with what we heard from Oren on whether or not the Israeli government is going to approve this deal to allow at least those 50 to come home. Well, Dana, as your correspondent said, there is some opposition within the government, particularly concern about what this deal might look like, what costs Israel might have to pay in order to release these hostages. Um, we know that in the past, terrorists who've been released from Israeli prisons have returned to the circle of terror. Some of them, in fact, were responsible for the atrocities on October the 7th. So there is some concern within Israel and particularly within the government that that might happen again. There's also concern that Hamas might use those four or five days to regroup and rearm and prepare for the continuation of its assault against Israel. Nevertheless, I think it is fairly clear that this will pass the cabinet. Um, we will see, of course, whether there will be appeals to the Supreme Court. Um, I expect that those will likely fail, and this deal, at least from Israel's part, will indeed go through. Alex, uh, take us inside more of your reporting. You, along with our colleagues, have been so upfront on this, appropriately cautious, but uh, really seems bullseye on what is happening around the contours of this deal could not be more complicated uh, when it comes to all of the factors that have to go into this, including what Avi was just talking about, which is convincing the Israeli people that a pause for days on fighting, which the IEF has been telling them and telling the world is not possible because it would allow Hamas to reconstitute is okay because they need to get these hostages home. Israel has been clear from the beginning, Dana, that if there were to be a pause, then Hamas would have to deliver, that there would have to be a, a large group of hostages released. And, and now um, we are told that the agreement is that it would be 50 hostages over uh, the course of four to five days, so around 10 to a dozen per day. Uh, I think one of the questions that we really have now is, is what does the situation look like beyond that? Uh, we're told there's the possibility that more hostages could be released in the subsequent days if all goes well, um, that the, the pause could be extended. You could see several dozen more, perhaps, uh, who, uh, who could be released. We've, we've gotten a good sense of what this agreement looks like, and I think the onus right now is really on Israel to approve it. Um, from, from what I understand, Hamas, for their part, has uh, agreed to those terms. Of course, this was mediated by Qatar and, and by the United States. But beyond the terms that we understand, what is the conflict going to look like after that? After six or seven days, um, is Israel going to just go back to fighting with Hamas? Is that pause going to end? We have major questions about the conditions that these 
prisoners yeah. are in. We understand that these 50 at least are alive. That's an assurance from Hamas, so take that with a major grain of salt. Um, but we don't know what the, the, the remaining 190, mm -hmm. uh, what condition they are in. And, and I think that just goes to, 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 to the point that even if there is this pause and even if this large group of women and children is released, you're still going to have at least 80 uh, percent of the prisoners who are, who are still being held by Hamas. And then the fighting could pick up once again. Yeah. And Susan Glasser, you know, this is inside politics. So let's look at uh, the political reality on the ground as we speak in Israel. Uh, there are protests going on outside the Knesset of people demanding that the hostages are released, that these negotiations be completed and that the war cabinet approves what is going on right now. I mean, that is very, very real, very raw. Well, that's right. There's pressures from both sides. There's the pressure from the families who want the hostages released from some of uh, Netanyahu's right wing coalition partners on the opposite side. And it underscores that this is a very unusual situation where the people of Israel have rallied around the cause of this war ever since October 7th, but they have not rallied around their leader, Netanyahu. And that's a very unusual situation. He is a very weakened figure politically. So one question is, uh, you know, what could happen? Is it possible even that his government could unravel in the course of the war? Uh, I think that remains a question mark. Netanyahu is extremely unpopular across a broad swath of Israeli population, which blames him uh, in some ways for uh, for the attack and the things that led up to it. And I think that that's a, a reality that we'll see a little bit more clearly over the next 24 to 48 hours, uh, whether this takes an additional political toll on an already weakened wartime leader of Israel. Such good points. Thank you so much to all of you. Uh, we're going to, of course, stay on top of this breaking news ahead. We're going to take a closer look at what the potential hostage deal means here in the U.S. for President Biden and the White House. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. 
Welcome back to Inside Politics. I want to bring our political panel in to break down this discussion as we are waiting for uh, what we are told could be an imminent hostage deal. Joining me now is PBS NewsHour's Laura Barone Lopez and The Atlantic's Frank Foyer. And Frank, you wrote a uh, biography of President Biden. You understand him uh, extremely well based on all of your terrific reporting. This is such an interesting moment for him because he, by all accounts, is so confident in his dedication to uh, supporting Israel mm -hmm. and not heeding to the calls by the growing calls by many in his party uh, for a ceasefire, but it's taking a toll politically on him. Yeah. I mean, I think back to the pullout from Afghanistan, which was a similar sort of moment where we're in foreign policy terrain, where Biden is supremely self-confident about his ability to navigate a difficult position. And in that instance, he had the weight of conventional wisdom bearing down on him, telling him that he was botching things and doing things wrong. And he refused to cave or um, back or in, in any sort of way pander to that opinion. I think something similar is happening here. And I think to potentially his credit, it belies some of the criticism that he's a disengaged old guy with his staff pulling all the strings because there have been reported instances of him being in tension with members of his staff where they've wanted him to hedge or back down somewhat, and he's refused to do so. Disengaged, but uh, I, I think on this issue, um, a lot of issues, people would be wrong to say that he's disengaged. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, maybe disinterested in the growing opposition, maybe that's okay. And, Okay, disinterested maybe is the wrong word, but pushing back on yeah. and keeping his focus is maybe the better way to describe it. And when I talk about growing opposition, I'm talking about a poll like this. Uh, the question from the latest NBC poll was his handling of the Israel-Hamas war. This is all registered voters. 56% disapprove, only 34% disapprove. He's well aware of that. He is. I mean, his administration is well aware. The campaign is well aware. Uh, even though he hasn't really fully gone out there to campaign in earnest yet, he won't until uh, early next year. But despite that, everyone around him, the administration officials say, look, we're not governing by, governing by polls. And this is something, to Franklin's point, that President Biden is leading from the top on this. He very much, this is a position he holds dearly in terms of strong support for Israel, uh, them having the right to um, defend themselves. And he's not going to change that position. I mean, one thing that I've known, not having covered President Biden as long as Frank, but still um, uh, quite a while, he doesn't tend to go back on his decisions. Once he's made a decision, he tends to stick with it. And I think on this one, he's going to too. But Young voters in particular, if you break down those polls further, oh, yeah. are not happy with the president's position on this specific war. Uh, they want to see him talk more about the toll on civilians in Gaza. They, of course, want a ceasefire, and that's not something that he supports. Yeah. And we're going to hear uh, some more about that from the ground. John King did a great piece on exactly that. It'll be later in the show. Uh, on the sort of growing pressure, mm -hmm. some opposition, but growing pressure, mm -hmm. and it's kind of bumping up subtly, but if you take it in totality, it's a lot. Uh, just one example, the uh, letter that came out, Democrats signed a letter for more aid, humanitarian aid for Gaza, 13 of his fellow Democratic senators. You see them all there. 
I think the other part of this is so we talked about the emotional connection that Biden feels with Israel. And interestingly, I think part of the generational divide is when Biden was a younger person. Uh, Zionism and liberalism were much more deeply interconnected. And there was this sense that Israel was an underdog nation. And it, he grew up in the shadow of the Holocaust. So that's very much part of the way that he thinks about everything. Um, but the second thing is, is that Biden also has a strategy for how he will handle Netanyahu and the Israelis. And um, he's not going to he, he's he believes in that strategy because he believes that it will ultimately be the most effective way to help both Israel accomplish its aims, but also to limit the conflict. And I don't think that criticism or poll numbers are going to cause him to be dislodged from that strategy. I think that one other thing that the as they get closer to fully campaigning that they're going to try to do is to show the alternative, right? Show what former President Trump is saying, which yeah. is that he would institute or extend uh, the Muslim ban, which he tried to institute during his first term, that he would actually bar refugees from Gaza coming yeah. into the United States. And we're going to see uh, President Biden draw that contrast. Yeah. To, to put it bluntly, you don't like me, wait for the other guy to get in here. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, thank you so much to both of you. Thank you for your insights. And I mentioned that uh, Franklin Foyer has a great book on the president, the last politician inside Joe Biden's White House and struggle for America's future. It's really great. I encourage you to read it. We continue our breaking news coverage on the question of when, if, but also when, that deal to release about 50 hostages could come out. It could be as soon as this afternoon, Eastern Time, we are going to speak to a former Israeli national security advisor about these developments after a short break. More on the breaking news. At this moment, Israel's war cabinet is deciding whether to approve a deal to release some of the 237 hostages kidnapped by Hamas during their brutal terror attack in Israel in October. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu sounded optimistic just moments before going into the meeting. Second goal, the return of the kidnapped. We are making progress. I don't think it's worth saying more, even at this moment, but I hope there will be good news soon. CNN's Becky Anderson is in Doha. Becky, you are there uh, in Qatar talking to sources who are uh, very much involved in making this deal happen. What are you hearing at this hour? Yeah, Qatar mediators have been involved from the very outset over weeks of complex negotiations. They are mediating these talks between Hamas on the one side and Israel on the other, who are not in direct um, uh, negotiation, supported, of course, by the United States as well. And what I've been told by a diplomatic source very familiar uh, with the, these talks is that Qatar hopes to announce a deal in the, uh, in the very near future. And we are talking about hours um, at this point, if not less than that. So we do know that the Israelis are um, gathering their war cabinet, then there will be a security cabinet, and then this uh, deal, the details of this deal will be put in front of the government. And at that stage, if it is all agreed on, uh, there will be an announcement on the release in the first phase of 50 hostages, mostly uh, women and children, in fact, almost all women and children uh, in this first phase, and I'm being told it will be mostly children, uh, Israelis and some dual nationals uh, potentially. This is in exchange 
for Palestinian women and teenagers held in Israeli prisons. For every one hostage released um, in Gaza, there will be three released from, Pal uh, from Israeli prisons. So that's the sort of, those are the sort of parameters of this deal. Uh, names at this point uh, are not available, um, but uh, multiple sources telling us that this is a four-day truce, uh, and, and I use that term very specifically. This is not a ceasefire, Dana, that is being agreed to here. This is a truce in the Gaza Strip. The pillar of, of this deal, of course, is, is, is the hostage release. It also includes um, the uh, entry of some 300 trucks a day of aid. Uh, the Israelis, uh, in this agreement, as we understand it, um, are uh, to stop their ground operations for this period of four to five days and at periods during the day will uh, stop flying surveillance drones. So this is a truce agreement brokered by Qatar here with the support of the United States between Israel and Hamas. Expect to see uh, the first phase, the first 50 of these hostages released in groups over those four to five days. And I'm told by those who are very close to these talks that should this be successful, should it hold, should this four-day truce hold, there's a very good likelihood that there will be another phase of this almost immediately, which will allow for the release of another 50 hostages. This is not all the hostages. Uh, we know that. We are talking about probably around 100 uh, in this agreement, ultimately. Uh, so for families who've got young men, uh, soldiers um, still being held or held by Hamas in Gaza, this is going to be very disappointing. But it's a big breakthrough, uh, the first breakthrough uh, in, um, it, 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 since this uh, conflict began. And it's certainly a start as far as those involved in these talks are concerned. Donna? Becky, such important uh, and excellent reporting, and I, I'm sure that our viewers can sense the, um, the urgency in your voice based on the conversations that you've had uh, with sources before coming on the air. Please keep us posted, uh, obviously, if you hear anything as uh, we continue on with our program. Again, thank you so much, Becky. Joining me now to talk more about this is Eyal Hulada, former Israeli national security advisor and former head of Israel's National Security Council. Uh, your thoughts on what Becky just reported? Yeah, so as you said, I think Becky described it uh, uh, very well. The situation is, uh, uh, is very tense because those are delicate moments. I uh, hope everybody in Israel are hoping that this will, uh, will come through uh, as it is. I have to say there's, there's nothing really to celebrate here. I mean, we're talking about 53 perhaps uh, uh, women and children. Hopefully they're all alive. Hopefully they were uh, good taken care of. They've been in tunnels for 45 days after being snatched from their beds and homes uh, 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 on October 7th. Uh, and there are still many more that are there. Israel will need to get every, all of them out uh, before uh, uh, there's any progress that can happen. And ultimately, Hamas will need to stop ruling uh, Gaza. But this is a, a start. As Becky said, this is very important. Uh, uh, the families have been waiting uh, for, the, for that news for, for a long time. Um, and it's been negotiated for so long because Israel has insisted that we get all of the children and, and of, of the women out, while Hamas was trying to break them into, uh, in, into groups, which we cannot agree to. This is playing with our emotions. It's very important that we got them all. It's very important that they're all alive. Hopefully this is the case. It ain't over until it's over. Yeah. And uh, uh, we will know, I guess, in, in hours. Can you talk about the contours of this deal? One of the things that's striking is 
the uh, idea is that one captive inside Gaza for three Palestinian uh, prisoners inside Israel. Why that? Well, you know, uh, we have to, to confess about our weaknesses as a nation. Uh, as a Jewish people, we value life. And when we do that, we, tend, we eventually find ourselves paying high prices uh, uh, to getting our, our kid back. Uh, uh, the audience might uh, remember, and you, you, you for sure, when we got, when we got Gilad Shalit back, uh, we released about a thousand of them. Yeah. One of them actually is Stinoir, uh, uh, who is leading Gaza right now, responsible for this uh, massacre that we had there. This is uh, um, uh, the way that uh, Israel has, has uh, uh, done that in the past, and of course there's a lot of criticism in it, and there, there's criticism right now. I mean, there are ministers in the, in this, in the cabinet who oppose that for that reason uh, specifically. But this is what we do. We're very moral, and we want them back. The, the, just the, the thinking that they might be uh, in the tunnels, and for more weeks and days, and eventually some of them will get killed or, or ill, um, uh, this is who we are as Israelis. Uh, I'm actually proud of that. So if it's one to three, one to three. If it's one to four, one to four. What's important is that eventually we get them all back, uh, hopefully alive. What Becky also said was that, and this is really critically important, that this is uh, considered a pause. Yeah. It is not a ceasefire. It is very different. And if, in fact, that goes through, the, the pause for several days in exchange for it's humanitarian uh, exchange or getting the hostages back from Gaza. The hope is that if that is successful, more hostages can come home. Yeah. Is that your understanding? Yeah, so f from what I understand from, from Israel uh, talking uh, to people back home, it, the, the way this is structured is that after the first uh, uh, a group of, of 53, um, uh, there, we, we can uh, extend uh, the pause for, for uh, about 10 uh, hostages a day. Um, and I truly hope um, this comes through. But this isn't the end of it. What, what the audience needs to understand is that Israel will continue to fight until all of the hostages are back. And the ultimate purpose and goal is that Hamas ceases to rule Gaza. Otherwise, there is no future for Gaza. Well, so, so you just said two separate things which have very different um, strategies. Mm -hmm. uh, Israel's not done until Hamas is gone. Israel's not done until the hostages come right. back. Those could be very conflicting goals. That's true. I mean, they have been for the last 45 days. That's true. And in Israel, over the last few days, there has also been a debate among the, the ministers of the war cabinet about what's the priority uh, between those two, because they are conflicting. And they're true uh, uh, strategies, but they're bo both important. My personal view and my uh, uh, argument was that we need to get the hostages back. We need to get live people back home. This is who we are as a people. This is the value, the core value of, of us as a Jewish people. We need to get them back. But this, this won't end, because there will be no future for the Gazans as long as they are ruled by Gaza. The Gazans have, Hamas has betrayed its own people, not only uh, struck a massacre upon us. And we will need to get all of that fulfilled before there can be any future in Gaza. Ayal Hulada, thank you so much. Thank you for your expertise. You. Uh, don't go too far. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. We continue our breaking coverage. Sources are telling CNN that a deal with Hamas to release about 50 hostages inside Gaza, or from inside Gaza, I should say, could come very soon. Stay with us. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. 
We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hack Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max. Right now, Israel's war cabinet is meeting as a hostage deal between Israel and Hamas could be imminent. What you're looking at right now are pictures and very loud sound of people protesting outside the Knesset as these talks are happening inside Israel's war cabinet. The people you're looking at, we're told, are family members of hostages demanding that the government approve this deal and that their loved ones can finally come home. Let's go to Jeremy Diamond, who is in Starot near the border with Gaza. Jeremy, what's happening at this moment where you are? Well, Dana, over the last several hours, we have been watching as the fighting has continued in the northern part of the Gaza Strip. We saw earlier today two very, very large explosions, louder than we have seen in recent days. Uh, and we also saw as there was a smokescreen deployed in the area of Beit Hanun, the northeasternmost city in the Gaza Strip, indicating that troops, uh, Israeli troops are likely moving, uh, either vehicles or personnel. Uh, and clearly the fighting is continuing, even as the Israeli government nears uh, a possibility, the possibility of finalizing this potential agreement to free hostages. And it is also very clear that the fighting will continue right up until a truce uh, agreement is potentially announced. That has been the history of this conflict in the past, uh, where uh, in the hours before a truce or a ceasefire is announced, oftentimes the fighting intensifies very often on both sides. But at this hour, Dan, I also want to tell you about some conversations I had with the families of some of those children who are held hostage inside of Gaza. I spoke with a couple of different families. Uh, one of them is the family of uh, Shiri Bibas, who uh, a woman who was taken hostage inside of Gaza with two of her children, a 10-month-old and a 4-year-old. I spoke with uh, Yifat Zeiler, her cousin, uh, who told me that at, the, at this moment they feel largely in the dark about whether or not uh, these family members who are being held hostage in Gaza are or are not on the list of people who will be released as part of this initial deal if indeed it goes through. And she said that it is really an anxious moment. They are largely getting their information from news reports uh, and they are really trying to avoid getting their hopes up too high uh, because of the uncertainty about whether their family members are still alive and whether or not they are indeed on the list to be released. Dana. Gosh, can you imagine? It's really hard to wrap your mind around and your heart around, Jeremy. Uh, we hear these numbers, and for each of these numbers of hostages, they are a human being, some of whom are children, uh, and their family members are just on pins and needles. They don't know if they're going to be among the 50. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Appreciate it. And we continue our breaking coverage up next. Stay with us. We're standing by for an announcement on a hostage deal, which could come any minute now. Eyal Hulada is back with me again. He is a former Israeli national security advisor and former head of Israel's National Security Council. Uh, we were watching what's going on inside Israel. Where, by the way, you just returned. This like, morning. You just yeah. came off the plane. Just came from the airplane. airplane there yes. are uh, protesters outside. There are family members of the hostages uh, saying, get a deal now. Yeah. So, I mean, the situation in Israel at the moment is, is very tense because the families of, of the hostages and also survivors from the massacre, uh, uh, m most of them, of course, support uh, 
getting them them back because because they're alive, right? And they're children and and and, and women and elderly uh, uh, that we want back uh, at home. There are also protests against the deal. You know, I mean, this is uh, Israel is a democracy. It's uh, yeah. and there are people on, on all sides. I think it's important that this comes through. I think it's very important. You know, I, as you said, I just came back from Israel. Uh, uh, I spent a week there, talked to people, talked to families. Uh, uh, I, you know, I, I am here in, in D.C. since August. I've never seen Israel so sad. Uh, it, it's so, the, the, the feeling is so deep. It's so grave. People just want uh, uh, to, to, to get on with this uh, so we can start rebuilding uh, the fabric of our society that has been torn for the beginning of the year for a host of things. And since October 7, uh, this has been so devastating. It's like a knife in the heart of all of those families. And you see this in the pictures. People want their kids back. They want their families back. Um, Al, thank you so much for sticking around. I think we'll talk to you in the next hour. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining Inside Politics. We're going to continue with our breaking news coverage after a short break. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.